Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make middle age your prime time of life by defying the notion that once you reach 40, 50, or even 60 years old, your crowning achievements are all behind you. Regardless of whether you're just approaching 40 or are firmly entrenched in your middle years, it's time to launch your very own personal journey toward a joyful and purpose-filled second half of life. Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. Middle age, we've been around for a while, and uh, I'm sure that you've had a lot of experiences, good and bad, of personal triumph and defeat, and they're forever uh, etched in your mind as experiences that altered your circumstances for better or for worse, but here's a surprise. My next guest, life coach, spiritual teacher, and best-selling author, Aura Nadrich, contends that the most important moment for you is right now, and she's here to explain why every single moment presents an opportunity to learn something valuable about yourself, whether that moment be joyful, traumatic, or just plain boring. But here's the catch to receive every moment's teaching message you will need to be fully present and aware. And isn't it unfortunate that so often we take our precious moments of living for granted and we waste them on negative, unproductive thoughts, thoughts like regret from the past or irrational worry about the future. And Aura Nadrich is here to help us develop mindfulness so that we can live our lives positively, truthfully, and authentically in the present. And Aura Nadrich is an acclaimed 20-year life coach and mindfulness meditation teacher. She's founder of and president of the Institute for Transformational Thinking. She's a groundbreaking author who has just released her brand new book we'll talk about today, Live True, A Mindfulness Guide to Authenticity. And she's one of the most effective and sought-after life coaches in the Los Angeles area and has helped uh, oh, thousands of folks and uh, overcome their hindrances and blocks of negative thinking and she's a popular radio guest writer and blogger who has been featured in women's day or women's health magazine readers digest fast company on nbc news huffington post and many more and hello aura and welcome to middle age can be your best age hi roy thank you so much for having me well it's our pleasure let's let's start with the basics and what precisely does it mean to live authentically? Why is living authentically especially essential in the times we're living in? <laughs> well, you know, each and every one of us is a unique individual. Yes. We come into this world as who we are, you know. Yeah. We have our own thumbprint. We have our own DNA. We have our own everything. And it is just solely our own. It's our own soul essence. Everything about us is unique yeah. unto ourselves. So I say we come in as these extraordinary, unique human beings, and yet along the way on this life path of ours, it gets a little complicated, as we know. <laughs> sure and before we know it, you know, things start to happen that start to affect our original, authentic self. And yeah. that can start as early in childhood, the very first time someone told you you're stupid or you're not good enough, or you're never going to be good at sports, or you're terrible at math. You know, we hear things very early on in our lives that tell us untruths, I say. They tell us that we are 
something that we're not, and we begin to believe it, and it starts to be a part of our core beliefs. And before you know it, we're living our lives inauthentically. And yeah, they we put don't even know how that happened. That weren't there when we were born. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. Do you know nobody nobody told us when we came in that we're not good enough. That is a belief that we gathered about ourselves falsely, I might add, and then unfortunately it really affects and can hurt the quality of our life. So yeah. I write about authenticity and how important it is, you know, because you can wake up every day as your new self. You yeah. can wake up every day, and I say in Live True, who you are today is not who you were yesterday and is not who you're going to be tomorrow. Yeah. So why not make this today, the day of today, right now, the most special day of your life? Well, that makes so much sense. I love how you say in the book, uh, to live authentically means being connected in a mindful way to all aspects of ourselves and the core values we uh, adhere to and live by. So many of us forget what those core values are. and We get swept up in uh, making a living and, you know, the day-to-day <laughs> hassles of living, and we forget what our core values are and who we really were uh, created to be. Exactly right. That is so true, Roy. That is exactly what ends up happening. Well, your call to uh, live authentically makes so much sense. What are some of the obstacles that stop us from discovering and then living in accordance with our true nature? I know you you mentioned distractions, but uh, what are some of the other? Well, as I mentioned, you know, just now, that we begin to believe that we're someone that we're not. That's, I think, the number one biggest detriment to the authentic self is that somewhere along the line, we believe that we weren't good enough or that we weren't lovable or that we weren't, you know, something that we either believe that we have to be in order to be accepted or loved. And it isn't true. You know, so as I say, this moment right now is a new moment for you to say, I don't need to believe that. I've lived my whole life believing a lie about myself. Weren't some and of us I even afraid to know it. who we really are? I mean, it, it's irrational, but isn't that true that, uh, you know, we really don't want to face uh, out of ignorance because what we really are in self is wonderful, but uh, some of us fear discovering who we really are, I think. Absolutely. We, we role-play all our lives. <laughs> exactly right. We role-play. So true. We We have identities. We have personas. We have roles like masks that we put on, and we even do that when we people please. Oh, I'm going to be this person to that person because they're going to accept me more or they're going to love me. And then I'll go ahead later in the for different situations. (laughs) That's exactly right, and I call that lifting the veils of the false self. Do you know? Well, for you and I to live our lives authentically, being true to ourselves, we first need to discover who we really are. Where is the dwelling place of our authenticity, and what simple yet profound question do we need to ask ourselves? Great question. I say the dwelling place of the authentic self is within. Do you know? I mean, there's that great quote by Carl Jung, he who looks out dreams, he who looks within awakes. You know, we awaken to who we are when we're willing to kind of take a little bit of a deep dive inside there and find out what's going on. You know, the thing that you fear so much can be your greatest gift. You know, being 
being afraid of finding out what that you're that you have insecurities like everybody else or that maybe you're not so great at math okay but maybe you're good at something that is really meaningful and important to you and you need to find out what that is so that you can live your waking moments of your life connecting to what makes you happy yeah understanding is, what is such a clear answer to fear because if, if we understand where we aren't that great we can work on it or else we can uh, use other means to overcome use our strengths to overcome our weaknesses but if we don't really look at ourselves and understand ourselves and then we aren't really going to know what to attack that's right and you know we undervalue which really is ancient it's almost biblical we undervalue who we are just yeah. as kind people compassionate people yeah. loving people the basic attributes of a human being yeah. you know things like kindness and compassion and loving if we value those attributes those characteristics yeah. of ourselves, the world would be much better off. We don't even <laughs> value that. That's for sure. Well, the subtitle of your new book is A Mindfulness Guide to Authenticity. How do you define the term mindfulness, and why is it necessary for us to be mindful in order to be authentic to our true self? Well, I say they're inexorably linked, that mindfulness and authenticity are linked. They're like two sides of the same coin. When we're present, we're aware of when we're being dishonest. Mindfulness is an inherent quality that each and every one of us has, and what that means is it's having an awareness. It's an awareness of ourself, and it's awareness of our environment, and it's an awareness of others. So that means that if I say something to somebody that hurts their feelings, I have an awareness of it. And I immediately want to do something about that. We oftentimes go through life not mindful at all, which is why we say and do things that are very mindless, if you will. (laughs) So mindfulness, being present, being in the present moment with total awareness, means that we can literally be aware of when we're stepping out of our authentic self, when we're yeah. being fake, when we're being false, when we're being dishonest, when we're being phony. Yeah, if you can tell that, that's uh, well on the way to curing the problem. But uh, Well, I noticed that uh, in this era of 24-7 connectivity, it's so easy to get bogged down in continual busyness. Why is it so important that you and I allow for, as you call it, interludes of present moment awareness? And any suggestions on how to pause and pry ourselves loose from whatever we're doing so we can truly experiencing those moments of uh, awareness and how can you train yourself to become more fully present very good question first of all we are busier today than ever before we're yeah, in the 21st century there's more gadgets more technology <laughs> People walk down the street not even looking at each other or even looking at where they're walking. They have their faces buried in their smartphones. So we need this more than ever. We need to take the pause. We need to stop. We need to put our gadgets down. You know, you look around, you go to restaurants, you see two people sitting across from each other, and they're both on their devices. I saw a whole family sitting around recently, and all the kids were on their devices. I know. (laughs) It's only going to get worse. And kids as early as three years old are being given iPads and smartphones, whereas, you know, when I parented my children, I gave them coloring books, and I gave them things to create 
you know, to spark the imagination. Yeah. So, so therefore, we have to be much more diligent about practicing mindfulness and also to pause. And I am a mindfulness teacher and I'm a meditation teacher. Now, I know that so many people meditate and so many people don't, and that's okay. It might not be everybody's thing, and I want to include everybody in knowing how to take that pause. And one of the easiest ways to do it is what I say, sit quietly for 10 minutes. And when people tell me, oh, Aura, I don't have time to meditate, I don't buy that because I say, you have 10 minutes to just stop. And even if it's just to sit quietly with your eyes closed or open, whatever you choose to do, put your focus and your awareness on your breath, which is a gift. It is a reminder that we are alive. And just follow your breath. Take a few deep breaths in and a few deep breaths out. Take a few deep breaths in and a few deep breaths out. And the next thing you know, you're going to start to feel a calmness. And if your mind is still active, which it will be, because we think between 40 and 70,000 thoughts a day, which I talk about in my first book, Says Who, be aware of your thoughts and just follow them. I also say our thoughts don't hold on to us. We hold on to them. And we have a choice to let them go. And if we observe our thoughts like clouds moving across the sky, then we can put our focus back on our breath. And the next thing you know, you're going to feel like, whoo, that feels calming. Wow, I needed that. I needed those couple of breaths. That's all you need to do. Is that not something we can do? Yeah. Well, like it or not, every one of us has an inner voice buried deep in our subconscious, and it so often distorts and prejudices our view of reality. What can you and I do to silence and at least least neutralize that judgmental inner voice, that little rotten voice that keeps telling us we're not good enough and all those other negative messages? Well, that rotten voice that you call it is the inner critic, which we all have, or there's a Buddhist term called the monkey mind. (laughs) And the monkey mind is the mind that is restless and the mind that can't stay still. And you think of an image of a monkey jumping from tree to tree. Do you know? That's really how the mind can be. It can be a constant wanderer, and it can be restless. So what we can do to help it is to start with some of the things that I'm describing. Sit quietly for 10 minutes and, and observe your mind and not react to it. But be the observer of the busy mind. And that starts to strengthen the discipline and the practice of quieting the mind. You know, we need to practice this like a skill set. It's like strengthening a muscle. Do you know? If you want to get into shape, you've got to exercise. Yeah. Well, uh, let's talk a bit about your latest book, Live True. Was there a single event or series of events that caused you to look deeper into your own soul and search for and look upon the essence of who you truly are? Uh, What uh, inspired you to write this book? Well, you know, I look back at my life and even that as a child, and I was always contemplative. So I wrote poetry at a very young age. I um, really was... comfortable spending time with myself even though I was an extroverted child I liked quiet time so uh, and then I you know found myself being very interested in uh, psychology and the workings of the mind and I had a sister that was so very dear to my heart and she suffered from mental illness Mm. and uh, when she had a nervous breakdown and then later was diagnosed with schizophrenia 
um, I went on a deep psycho-spiritual journey to understand the workings of the mind better. And it took me on a very extensive journey. And then I wrote my book, Says Who, which is a a method I created for transforming negative and fear-based thoughts. This brought me to live true and also relates to my sister Esther because when she passed away, I was deeply saddened by that and loved her so dearly. And what I realized was even more of the gifts that she gave me, um, and that was do not waste a single moment of your life. And it really brought me very uh, up close and personal to living our lives and valuing each moment. Would that be the single one message you would like readers to take away from your book, not to waste a single moment? Well, I guess that along with living out and finding your authentic self. Exactly right, Roy. If I could say that what the greatest takeaway of Live True is to wake up each moment, wake up each morning in gratitude, wake up each morning grateful that you're able to take another breath and that you're able to be alive and that you have a day full of memories to have, and that each moment is precious. Well, where's the best place for listeners to preview and purchase your book? Um, You know, all of the book outlets carry it. Um, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Amazon, you can order it literally today and probably get it in a day or two. You can get it right away in the Kindle version, I guess. (laughs) Yes, yes. It was in pre-launch, and now it's officially um, available as of February 4th. So now when you order it, you'll get it pretty quickly. Oh, that's great. Well, give us your web address where listeners can learn more about you, your courses, your upcoming events, or perhaps retain you as a uh, thought coach or teacher. What's what's that address they should go to? Uh, they can reach me at auranadrich.com. And that's and on my website, R-I-C-H, right? Yes, O-R-A-N-I-D-R-I-C-H. And on yeah. my website is all of my events, my articles, my uh talks, my radio shows, you know, uh, workshops that are coming up. I have one coming up in um, Scotts uh, Scotts Valley in Northern California at a Ooh. beautiful uh, retreat called Multiversity 1440. Uh, that wasn't that. in the campfire area, was it? <laughs> no. No, 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 no. No, not at all. No, it's a beautiful uh, learning uh, oh, school environment, and I'll well, be doing a workshop great. there called Mind, Mood, and Happiness. And when is that workshop scheduled for? That's scheduled for February 22nd to the 24th. You can go to Multiversity 1440 and click on there if you want to join me. I have people coming from other places, other cities, mm. um, so it's great and there's still some spots left so i'd love for you to join me and dr ronald alexander for our workshop mind mood and happiness oh i see that certainly sounds like a good thing to check out well in conclusion as oren adris assures us each and every moment can be your greatest teacher and all of the lessons are intended just for you as she points out and all are good because they are yours alone And regrettably, though, you won't benefit from the lessons of the present moment if you're consistently mired down in regrets about the past or worries over the future. However, if you you accept your present moments as gifts, and um, you will show up and never turn your back on a single teaching moment again, 
in addition to living in the present moment, you also need to clean your lenses of reality uh, so that what you observe is not clouded by that inner critic informing you that you're not good enough or that others are unworthy of your full respect and attention. And to sum it all up, I quote from Jack Canfield, co-author of the world-renowned Chicken Soup of the Soul series, and he says, Oranadrus' unique strategy of intentional authenticity liberates the reader from mental and emotional baggage and life uh, live true draws us into the current of our highest potential greatest healing and deepest love end quote and let's face it these three are the most essential ingredients for a joyful and purposeful remainder of life and i highly recommend you preview and consider purchasing oran adrich's latest book live true you won't be sorry and thank you so much aura for joining us here today Roy, thank you so much for having me. I so enjoyed it. And best of success with continued uh, success on your new book. It sounds like a winner, and I know you sent me a copy, and I'm really uh, delving into it, and it's oh wonderful. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Roy. Twenty-four hour news channels plus folks from the president on down yapping on Twitter, Facebook, and other social media outlets. There's certainly no shortage of negative commentary in our society today. And regrettably, this negative commentary often leads to counterproductive, even hostile thoughts, habits, behaviors by members of our human race. And, of course, you and I by ourselves can't change the world, and we sometimes can't even change the thought patterns and behaviors of those all around us. But one thing we can do, you and I can opt out of personal negative negative thinking and our own counterproductive behaviors, and better yet, leave it behind for a life filled with positive outlook, joy, and contentment, even on days when things aren't going so great. And uh, like me, are you currently having a conversation with yourself? Are you listening to what my next guest, Holistic Life Coach uh, Christina Reeves, labels the writing on our wall? She's referring to those hidden pre-recorded belief systems imprinted on our subconscious minds that so often fill us with fear, self-doubt, discouragement, not to mention discrimination and prejudice toward folks that aren't exactly like us. And like me, a few years back, with the best intention, have you made so many attempts to retool the thought processes at middle age, and in the end only to have those efforts fall short, leaving you right back where you started from, perpetually steeped in negative self-doubts and worries, and you wonder why? It's because of this writing on your wall etched into your brain, and it can't be erased by positive thinking and willpower alone. But here's some great news. Christina Reeves assures us that you and I, in fact, anyone on this planet, has the power to quiet that inner voice that tells us we're not good enough and won't make it. And she and her scientific partner have perfected a profound approach to positive self-transformation that's founded on brain science, and she's here to highlight that approach today. And before I introduce her, here's Christina Reeves' impressive bio. In addition to holistic life coaching, she's an energy psychologist, an accomplished author, speaker, and facilitator. She hosts workshops, seminars, and lectures, not only in North America, but also internationally. And along with her partner, Demetrius Spanos, She has written a critically acclaimed brand-new book, The Mind is the Map, 
awareness as the compass, and emotional intelligence as the key to living mindfully from the heart. Quite a long subtitle, but it's worth reading. And hello, Christina Reeves. We're most honored to have you here with us today. Hi, Roy, and thank you for inviting me uh, on your program. Yes, it's uh, it's really been a process. Um, I would say that our walls have seen so much over our lifetime, especially as we approach middle age. I love the uh, title of your program. We all have writing on our walls. Sometimes we know what's written there, but more often it's it's hidden. Um, the writing on our walls is our most prominent advisor, and we consult it all day long. So we might ask ourselves, who is, is the voice we most listen to? Is it our partners, our child? Does it belong to our boss? No, nope, it's our own voice, and critical as it may seem sometimes, it is really trying to tell, help us by telling us what's written on our walls. Yeah, well, uh, and of course, every one of us is unique, but in general, where do these habitual negative thought patterns, this writing on our walls, uh, come from? Is it is an attempt, uh, a conscious attempt uh, for emotional self-defense from failure uh, so that we can blame someone else when things don't go right? Or <laughs> where does all this <laughs> negativity come point. from? I truly hope that um, those that read the book will come to clearly understand that there is no shame, no blame, no right, no wrong, no good, nor bad. People just do what they do. And here's the science behind that, okay? If we look at the unconscious mind, which is our subconscious mind, it's largely invisible to us and we can cruise around on autopilot. We can look at it as an information processor. In other words, when we're bored, we come with a um, sort of a working operating system. So what happens is, you know, we can breathe, our organs are functioning, we have mobility, and so on and so forth. But we have no database, no database whatsoever. So what happens? Buy a brand new computer. Absolutely, absolutely. So what happens is that um, the subconscious mind has an awesome data processing capacity. Uh, Between the ages of zero and six years old, we're primarily operating in delta and theta states of mind. Those brain states are logically necessary during those formative stages of our life because the mind can't operate from a blank database. It requires a working database of learned perceptions. So consequently, before we can even go out and express our consciousness, the brain goes about acquiring a working awareness. So what is the subconscious mind? It's an information processor. It records our all of our perceptual experiences, and it forever plays them back at the push of a button like a tape recorder. This information has been recorded from well-meaning others, okay? In other words, if our grandmother programmed our mother, our mother programmed us, it goes down through the ages. And it's not just that, uh, it's not just our caregivers. It's our cultures, it's our religion, it's our politics, it's the country we live in. Uh, all these different things will have programming uh, that is indiscriminately recorded uh, from the words and actions and the cultures that we grew up. 
drop it. Interesting enough, Roy, <laughs> we only become aware of our subconscious um, minds. I'm going to call them button pushing programs when someone does push our buttons. <laughs> um, you know, as far as the the subconscious mind and the conscious mind, there's a difference here. The subconscious mind interprets and responds to over 40 million nerve impulses per second. Look at the bandwidth of that, okay? Um, But the conscious mind only programs 40 nerve impulses per second. This means that um, as an information processor, the subconscious mind is one million times more powerful than the conscious mind. Just think about that bandwidth. And that You're talking about for, uh, neural pathways. I'm not just what exactly are neural pathways? Great, great question. Neural pathways. So what happens when this data is recorded on the subconscious mind? Yeah. It sort of sets what we would call a template, what scientists call a neural pathway. Oh, so right. when we come across any experiences or any new experiences. What happens, Roy, is that the subconscious mind, because of its fast acting and its bandwidth is is much more capacity than the conscious mind, yeah. it immediately says, oh, okay, this experience, I know what to do. And it goes and it looks for the matching template. <laughs> and when the matching template is actually pulled up, it's not just a template of the four- or five-year-old that's pulled up. <laughs> what is pulled up and entangled and bundled with it is the emotions we felt at four or five related to the old experience and also any childhood conclusions that we came to at that time. Well, it's hard to believe, but you inform us that in a single hour of worrying can cause our neural pathways to double in strength. Is this bad? And what impact does this doubling in strength have on our thought patterns? It does. We can, we'll remain in what I'm going to call a bubble of overwhelm. The more we focus, energy follows intention, always. And everything in the universe is energy, including our thoughts and our words and everything else. So if we're focused on something that's negative or an old thought pattern or an old experience, it can multiply and it builds and it builds. You know, over a period of one day, for example, if you keep going back and focusing on this, you could build that energy field ten times what it originally started with. And then you'll find yourself in a bubble of overwhelm, and it's difficult to come out of that overwhelm. (laughs) And no new information can get through uh, to you. That's why when couples are having an argument or we're in some kind of dispute, it's better to wait until the overwhelm is passed and go back and revisit the experience and try to find the uh, many possible solutions that are out there after the overwhelm is uh, is uh, complete. Actually, there's a little membrane in the brain that comes down, and it shuts off anything from the conscious mind because the brain and the body is trying to help us out of the overwhelm. So new chemicals are released, uh, all these kinds of helpful Chemicals like endorphins and so on and so forth are released into the spinal fluids to help us deal with the overwhelm. So well, that no sounds new good, information. You tell yeah. us the conditional conditioned responses play a role in every choice we make. Okay, how do we seize control and change some of those deep-seated emotional habits so that we right now are consciously in control of the choices we make rather than something that was implanted in our brain at age five? <laughs> 
good question, too. Roy, there is no entity to control our subconscious programs. It's the mind, not the brain, that tells the body what to do. Mm. We can self-talk ourselves using reasons to communicate with and to try to change our subconscious, and it's only going to have the same effect as if we try to change a program on a cassette tape by standing in front of it, pounding on it, yelling and screaming at it. It's not going to work. (laughs) There is no entity or component within the mechanism, okay, that's going to respond to your dialogue. So what we do is we go into... um, but at this, we go into a place that we call in the book awareness, and uh, that's an important uh, chapter in the book. What we need to do is to step back from the experience that we're in, and sometimes that literally means taking a step back to remind yourself to step into awareness. Yeah. In every single experience, there's three parts to the experience. One of them is you in the experience. The other one is the experience itself. And the third one is how is the experience processing? And we're able to step back from a place of awareness. It's almost like we want you to visualize the experience as if it was on a great big white screen in front of you and you're looking at it. (laughs) It's so funny when you can look at life from that point of view. You can look at a third-party observer instead of being deeply involved. That's it. You become the witness. Yeah. Exactly. So you're looking at it and you go, oh, my, look at what I did. Look at me in that experience, you know. Oh, my, I've triggered that one over there. Look at the others and how look they're how counterproductive I was. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know? well, in your book, uh, so you at that point, what we really want to do is remain present yeah. oh, okay. to the experience. Yeah. In your book, you inform us that we need to build emotional intelligence before we can change. What is this emotional intelligence, and how does it differ from the traditional definition of intelligence based on IQ? And more importantly, how can we build our emotional intelligence? To my knowledge, this isn't taught in high school or university. (laughs) It's not. (laughs) It's definitely not, and it should be. In fact, I did a white paper several years ago uh, by interviewing 16 Fortune 500 companies, and they said that they would rather hire people with emotional intelligence, so EQ, rather than IQ. Things are shifting. Things are changing. We're realizing that we all have writing on our wall. We need to be tuned in to not only our own writing on the wall, but to the writing on the wall of others. We need to have empathy. I'm not necessarily saying sympathy. Okay, we can't ever help the other. You know, we can't help another. We can guide another. We can walk with them. But this is all inner work, and it's going to take the other. at some point in time, we all hit a wall, <laughs> and it's a wall of truth and wonder of what we've been doing with our life, and that's the point, you know, and that, that brings me to your, your point in the title of your show. That point usually hits around midlife, yeah. and we're going to feel highly motivated to find out what really frees us, what makes us happy. We have to understand what makes us unhappy. Yeah, I was it's a great definitely an inside job. Happy. We can't tell somebody else why they're unhappy effectively. That just usually no, makes exactly. them mad. <laughs> exactly. To be emotionally intelligent means to go through that self-discovery process and use your inner critic or your inner voice as a guide to tell you what's written on your wall. 
And when you see what's written on your wall, go back and see where it came from. What beliefs did you have? It's our beliefs that really create our reality. And if we can examine and reality test our beliefs, most of the time we find out it's not even our belief. Somebody else put that on our wall. Yeah, I know it's you not what emphasize we in each chapter, uh, you tell us to uh, journalize what... Uh, what our thoughts are, I guess that helps a lot to uh, uncover that kind of knowledge of where it comes from. Exactly. I'm a great one for self-discovery. I was um, in my own personal path. Uh, you might say I was a seeker. I was reading everything, but I really didn't integrate it till about yeah. 20 years ago. And uh, that's really what what we need to do. There are two parts of knowledge. One of them is the intellectual stuff that we get from books, including mine and uh, and yours and everyone else's, through lectures, through workshops, seminars, and so on. And that's, so that's one part of knowledge, the intellectual part. The other part is experiential. We need to make this personal. Yeah, we, need we need to take to it in. We need to integrate these techniques into our being. That's where our wisdom comes from. So I actually went on our uh, respite for a couple of years, and uh, I was lucky I own a property in Greece, so I went there. Oh, and I spent, I dropped everything I was doing, everything. In fact, gave everything away and went over there to integrate all these processes I'd learned. And I came up with new processes for what really, really worked. Yeah, only all of us can do that, do that same kind yeah. of integration that you did, but uh, most of us don't have two years to, to take no, away. No, no. <laughs> yeah, that was a personal choice that I made. I was becoming, you know, my addiction was um, a workaholic yeah. and uh, taking no time for myself. And that was the way I was healing with my own wounds or dealing with my own wounds. Uh, and uh, I decided I didn't want to do that. Uh, Let's anymore. talk about your great new book. How did you select the book's title, The Mind is a Map? What, is it, what do you mean exactly by that? But, uh... Because that's basically um, the way that I work through my own process, Roy. Oh, Thanks for asking. And uh, the mind is a map, meaning we must understand how the mind works. There's a lot of new science out there. Yeah. Psychology, uh, using the old methods, it was taking 20 or 30 years for someone to make one small change. And uh, when we understand how the mind works, I found that there's better engagement from those that are really seeking you know, to heal some of their wounds if they understand that it's not their fault. There is no shame and blame, as I said yeah. earlier. We can drop all of that nonsense, you know, and um, because we didn't put that writing there. That's a biological function of the way that the mind works. Yeah. And so well, that's I know what in your really book you take us through, uh, like, 12 steps, like the circular face of a clock, and... Uh, if there was one message you would like readers to take away from your book, what would it be? I know it's a very thorough uh, exposition of all this, like going around the clock of all these aspects of the brain and the <laughs> mindfulness. The... Yes. You know, there are, I guess what I really want to, uh, the message I'd like to get across uh, to our readers and to your listeners is that there really only are a handful of core dynamics of human conditioning and if we use our emotional intelligence and we learn what these core dynamics are we will find that you know 
we can stop pedaling on that vicious cycle. For goodness sake, we can stop pedaling, you know, and go back to the moment of experience, see the aspects of uh, every single human experience we have, and the confusion will clear the moment that we realize that what's happening is uh, the result of the consequences of our developmental program and not really anything we did. Uh, yeah, stop I'm pedaling down that highway to nowhere and <laughs> start yeah, thinking about what Our youth doing. is really suffering, Roy. You yeah. know, think about the suicide rates, the depression yeah. rates, you know. Um, our youth are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on education to find out that there's no jobs at the end. They need encouragement. They need yeah. ways to uplift themselves and to understand, you know, their experiences better and use their emotional intelligence so that they don't fall into this overwhelm by having the mind hijacked by old yeah. experience. Well, where's the best place for listeners to go to preview and purchase your book? Where is it available? Ah, we have it, uh, gosh, it's available on Amazon, of course. Uh, it's available at Barnes & Nobles. It's available as an e-book. It's available as an audio book. Uh, soft cover, hard cover. We also have put together uh, to help our readers further is an actual workbook. That will be out around the beginning of April. It will oh, be available wow. on those sites as well. And um, it's uh, a workbook that they can sit there and actually get help. We have a, a few uh, classes, one for each chapter, oh, coming up at the beginning at the beginning of April. Uh, they'll be able to join us online as we guide them and walk them through uh, having their own experience. I think the biggest message I'd like to to put out there is that you're not alone. You know, we've all been there, and if we haven't yeah. been there yet, at some point in time, we'll all hit that wall. Yeah. Where, where's the best place for folks to go to learn more about you and uh, get in contact with you? you have a website uh, or something we can go to? Or? We have a Mind of the Map website, and on this website we have a forum, and the forum has all kinds of blogs and topics, and mm -hmm. uh, join our website, jump in there, give us your opinions, ask us your questions. And what exactly we is have, that address that they can go to? Oh, absolutely. Let me give that to you right now. Let me see here. Mind of the Map. Let me pull it up. So it's... HTTPS colon slash slash backslash yeah. the mind is the map dot com. Oh, that's simple enough. And our new school will be opening, and uh, it should be open before the end of this month. Uh, Eudaimonia Center LLC, and uh, this is where all of our classes. Uh, will take place. We're still under construction, loading up the courses right now. Oh, I see. And uh, that's another place that but they can uh, keep in touch through that mindofthemap.com would be the place to go right now, I guess. To absolutely. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Well, that sounds great. In conclusion, the truth of the matter: we don't have the power to control the outside world, but we do have the power over how we experience it. And uh, we can transform our own thoughts and emotions and direct them in a positive direction, and it all begins with awareness. I think we can all agree with that. And as Christina Reeves has explained it here today, once you're aware of that inner critic, that uh, writing on your wall and where it's coming from, you can begin to free yourself of it and create new, healthier ways of thinking and behavior. 
and uh, you can indeed achieve the joy and contentment that you were created to experience in Christina's and Demetrius's uh, great new book, The Mind is the Map, contains a bucket full of effective tools, meditations, journaling exercises, thought-provoking questions that can help you shift to profound self-awareness and knowledge is power, after all. Step-by-step, chapter-by-chapter, this book promises to be a guidepost for anyone who yearns to break free of bad patterns, jumpstart their own spiritual and personal evolution, and find happiness and success throughout the remainder of their life. And that sounds pretty fine, doesn't it? And I recommend you preview and consider purchasing the book, The Mind is the Map, and keep in touch with the the progress on those workshops and other things that are coming up because they sound very promising. And thanks a million, Christina Reeves, for joining us here today. Oh, thank you so much, Roy, for inviting us on the program. Wish you continued success, and we'll be in touch again sometime in the future. Yeah, and thank you, all you uh, loyal listeners and believers, that indeed middle age can be your best age. That's it for now. You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. You can learn more about Roy and his Middle Age Renewal Training System by visiting his website, middleagerenewal.com. 